Hi, this is the Social Jello with Angelo show. My name's Angelo. I'm a social scientist, surfer, martial artist, and a whole lot of other things. Coming to you live from Kasai City, Japan, the Social Jello with Angelo show. Hey, what's up, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Social Jello with Angelo. Thanks for tuning in.、Uh, before we get started, Uh, let me just give a quick shout out to some of my unsaid sponsors.、Uh, you can always catch all my contact on content on www.socialjello.com. That's where you can find all my stuff, my blogs, z, right? Like plural. I have a few different blogs on there. And you can also find this podcast for free, streaming. You can also download it for free. You can also download it for free on iTunes if this is where you found it originally. Awesome. Thank you for listening. You can also check it out on Last.fm. You can download the app and listen for free, stream it online. And you can also listen to it on TuneIn Radio.、Uh, TuneInRadio.com. It's an international、uh, internet radio site that has different stations and podcasts that you can listen to for free. And last but not least,、uh, we're also brought to you by the Kobe Fight Network, KFN. Kobe Fight Network is a MMA club located in Kobe, Japan.、Uh, if, you, if this is your first time listening, I broadcast from Japan. And、uh, yeah, you can go there, check it out every Sunday, 7 o'clock. They meet up. For more information, you can check out the Kobe Fighting Network at kobefightingnetwork.net, or you can Google them and find all the information about their schedule and when they train. I personally go there and train and sometimes even coach, depending on what my fighting schedule is like on Sundays. And new, some new news.、Uh, I opened my own gym out here in my rural area of Kasai Shi. So,、uh, if you want to check it out,、uh, Kajukembo Hyogo Japan is the name of the new gym I opened out here. Got a few students starting up doing some. Kaju Kenpo training, Hawaiian Kenpo, and MMA, along with kickboxing and jujitsu and judo. And、uh, it's a type of martial art that mixes everything. And、uh, I kind of bring in my experiences with kickboxing and MMA, and I use that as my foundation. So if you ever were interested in doing some Kaju Kenpo in Japan, hit me up. You can check out my email at thesocialjello at gmail.com. All right, let's get started with the show. So, I just got back from China.、Uh, if you saw the title of this, well, I guess <laughs> it depends where you find this, right? Well, the title of this、um, should have that in the title on iTunes but, or on YouTube, whichever one you found us on. But、uh, yeah, I was in China for a week. I went down to the JX Fight Club in,、uh, in Shanghai, met up, with,、uh, met up with the coach, Ramsey Dewey.、Uh, he's a really cool guy.、Um, I actually contacted Ramsey. About、uh, how far? How long ago was it?、Um, January. In January. In January, I contacted Ramsey because、uh, I was looking for an MMA club to train in China. And the way I've been trying to do things, my, my dream,、uh, and this is going to get kind of nerdy, but here we go. When I was really young, I used to play a lot of Street Fighter 2. <laughs> It's a video game. I don't know if, how many of you play video games, but either way. And I thought it was really cool about how these guys would like,、uh, you'd pick a character and he would fly all around the world and fight people、uh, all around the world.、Um, and I thought that was really cool. I always thought that 
that idea of a martial artist traveling around the world to test himself or herself against other martial artists um, was a really cool idea. And that's where it kind of started. That's, that's where I first got the, 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 this spark that uh, not just for martial arts, but also this idea that, that you can kind of see the world and meet people that way. And I did. Uh, the first place, the first time I did this was Japan. When I came to Japan, I, I joined the, uh, the KFN Fight Network. I uh, did MMA out there, out here, I should say. And um, yeah, ever since then, I, I continued to kind of do that. Whenever I would go into an area, I would look into what kind of martial arts were offered. Even when I was in, living in San Diego, like, even if it was something locally. Like, when I went to my university, I immediately found out that they had a, they had a Gracie Jiu-Jitsu instructor. They had different instructors, different champions who would actually come in and go over uh, self-defense and no-gi jiu-jitsu. And I already had my black belt in Kajukambo, but I always thought it was really cool to like kind of cross-train and, and meet other people from other, other styles and, and train with them and figure out, like, see what they know, see what they think and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, that, that's where it started. And, um, yeah, with that in mind, uh, I was planning this trip to China. But before I went to China, I was like, I don't know what part of China I want to go to. Like, uh, I have no idea. So I just kind of emailed three or four different MMA gyms out there. And I picked whichever one would be the best response. And uh, Ramsey was really cool. He immediately, he immediately responded to the email I sent and just told me, just come out on trade, man. I'd be more than happy to have you out here. Um, really friendly. And... Um, and we hit it off, and I was like, "That's really cool. I, I'm I'm looking forward to it." And and talked to him throughout the year. I I, I want to say I actually contacted him maybe a, a few years back, maybe two years ago. I want to say, um, but I had the the trip fell through, and then finally this year I seriously said I'm gonna go no matter what, and got my visa and everything. And I'm really glad I did. I mean, it was really cheap. I guess it depends on where you're coming from. I'm saying really cheap because I live in Japan. And uh, it's not too far away from here. So the ticket from Japan, from the uh, Kansai airport to Shanghai, uh, Pudong International was, I want to say I spent maybe, I think it was like 400 bucks for everything for a week. And uh, that included the airplane and the, and the hotel and the visa which was like a another 200 no no the visa was separate i spent another 200 for the visa but it's a 10-year visa uh if you ever decide to get a visa to go to china you need a visa you need a specialized visa to go to china it's about 200 bucks or so but the six-month version and the 10-year version are exactly the same so they recommended the 10-year and i'm glad i got the 10-year visa because i'm definitely going back so it was really it was really interesting um when I landed in, in Shanghai, I got there on a Saturday, and uh, I went with my with my with my buddy, my buddy Kevin. He's cool, and uh, he's uh, he was originally born in Hong Kong, and he uh, he could speak Chinese, but he didn't. He wasn't too sure about the dialect that they use in Shanghai compared to where he's from or he was from. He's Canadian, I should say. He was born in Hong Kong and then he moved to Canada, so he's Canadian, yo. But he was still cool. Uh, he was able to help me out at some pretty rough times because I don't speak any Chinese whatsoever. I speak Japanese, but I don't speak any Chinese. The most I can say is ni hao and shei shei. I probably said that wrong. And I got through. 
you know, we got to the airport, immediately got taken advantage of by a taxi. <laughs> so my quick heads up, if you ever go to China, okay, there were some things I, I, I fucked up with. Uh, first of all, China blocks out all internet. You can only use Chinese internet in China. That that's that's the law in China. Now there's ways to get around it, but uh, I'm not gonna disclose too much. But I, I do know that there's ways. Uh, v, there's like VPNs and stuff. A VPN that you can get and it works around some of that stuff. But you still need to have a phone and to get around in China. You need a Chinese phone. Uh, if you don't get a Chinese phone you can get a SIM card. I knew this, but what I didn't know was I had to contact my internet, my internet, my phone provider and let them know I was going to China because when I put their SIM card in my phone, it blocked it locked my phone and asked me for a passcode that only my phone provider knew and at that point I was already in China and I couldn't contact them. So I got kind of screwed there. Uh that's that ruined a lot of my plans cuz there is some really cool stuff that they have. There's this thing called the DD app where it's kind of like Uber um, and you can get a cheap taxi anywhere, but unfortunately, because I did not have a Chinese SIM card, I could not take advantage of that service. I did get a wireless, uh, like a wireless hotspot that I, I bought from at the airport. It was pretty cheap. It was only like what is it? Whatever five five hundred RBN, which is which we estimated a hundred is about sixteen bucks. So do the math there. About sixty bucks, seventy-five bucks, around seventy-five bucks for a wireless, a wireless hotspot for the week, which wasn't bad. Um, and I, I think I got back two hundred. I, I got thirty bucks back, so it ended up being like thirty bucks for everything. I had to do a deposit thing, but uh, yeah, I, I did have wireless, so I was able to at least use Google to find my way around stuff and navigate through the trains they actually have a real in shanghai they actually have a very good train system uh that's another thing i really enjoyed it was really cheap too uh we we got around everywhere through that thing and it was much cheaper than the trains in japan and they were all on time it was much faster than my public transit experiences back in california so that's something you can keep in mind if you're ever in in shanghai is that you can actually get around pretty cheap using the trains if you if you decide not to get the dd app so that's what happened. I landed on Saturday and we got ripped off by a taxi because I didn't know any of the stuff I just told you. And they got us a taxi and, well, I mean, it wasn't that bad, right? I said I get I got ripped off. I say I got ripped off because I only, when I, when I got the right kind of taxi, when I figured out what was going on, like if you do go to China and anything you want to do is tell your hotel to get a taxi for you and they'll charge you and it'll be much cheaper. It shouldn't, it, if you're at the far airport, Pudong, um, there's another airport named Ha Hu Shao or something. I can't remember the name. There's two airports. One's closer to the main city. Mine wasn't. Um, long story short, it should only be about thirty bucks, like two hundred RMB, two hundred and fifty RMB. It should not. It should not be five hundred. Um, I mean, given me and Kevin split it, so it still wasn't that bad at all. But still, it could be cheaper, and that's what we realized later after we said yes to the to the person who offered us a taxi and. We got to our hotel. Uh, we stayed at a hostel. It was nice. Um, not super nice, but mm, I'm a guy, so it's all good. I don't mind. I don't mind a, a little bit of a dirty hotel. There was no cockroaches. That's good. No insects. No large insects. I didn't see any large insects, so it wasn't that bad. But it wasn't that good either. Uh, it was reasonably cheap. Um, I would give it a four. A three. I'll give it a three. 
out of five. A three out of, three stars out of five stars. Good service. The bathroom, the shower was a little bit dirty. But still, I'd recommend it. If you're a dude and you don't really care about having like a super spick and span five-star hotel uh, and you're okay with a little bit of, you know, a little, little a few, you know, a few not completely white walls, but a few dark, you know, spots here and there, or a little bit of mold, not too much <laughs> in your shower, <laughs> then, then, yeah, you, you can check out the uh, Central Youth Hostel in, uh, in Shanghai. And that, that, that was not bad. I, I do recommend them. I, I'm saying it on the podcast. Shout out to Central Youth Hostel for hooking it up for a, with a cheap place to stay in Shanghai. So, yeah, we got there on a Saturday. And the first thing we did is we checked out this place called The Bund. The Bund is this really cool area near the, uh, near the, uh, near like a harbor. And uh, it's a giant strip mall area, kind of shopping center, tourist area. And we went there. My friend Kevin was just exhausted from traveling. And I dragged him with me and we checked out some stores and then we came back. On the way back, we, uh, we missed our last train. And we had to find a taxi, which was really hard without the app, but we were able to do that. And what I didn't know was that the MMA training did not start till Monday. The the gym, JX Fight Club, that wasn't open till Monday through Friday. So once I figured that out, uh, I figured, okay, I have one more day for sightseeing. So Sunday, what did we do Sunday? Oh, Sunday, we did some sightseeing locally in the area, and we went to... I met up with, uh, well, actually, no, I th- we didn't do any sightseeing because uh, we were really tired, so we sl- he slept in for a while, and uh, we got out. I set up a 2 o'clock run, met up with the Hash, make sure I get this right, Hash Runners Club, Hash Runners, oh, yeah, yeah, they are, the Hash Runners, yep, Hash Runners. The Hash Runners Club in Shanghai. They have chapters all across. If you've if you've followed the Hash House Harriers, Shanghai. If you followed my podcast before, I, I actually t- you uh, the fifty five k I did was uh, my uh, my tour guide through the fifty five k and the Roku Mountains. That was a uh, actually a member of the Hash House Harriers. Uh, it was not a official run. You know, this guy's a runner on it. Well, he says he's not. A, he's a runner. He's gonna say he's not a runner, but he's a runner. Um, but long story short, um, he told me, he's like, hey, man, you know, hash house areas anywhere around the world. If you want to go for a run and you don't know the area, it's a great thing to do because you can kind of meet up with the local expats and they'll give you the lowdown on what's going on in the area. So it was pretty cool. Like uh, I got there and uh, on, you know, on Saturday, landed Sunday, went for the run and immediately met up with some expats that kind of gave me the vibe of what's going on in Shanghai, which was really cool. They, they gave me all the tricks and tips to survive. And uh, the way they run is pretty interesting. I've never ran for the club before, but the club run is pretty interesting. They, what they do, it's kind of like a scavenger hunt. And they hide, or they hide, or they're supposed to put in sight, but it gets kind of tricky in the city. They use chalk and they write, they draw arrows with an H and you follow these arrows and say on, on every time you find an arrow. And they hide them throughout the city. And they set up courses. There's a walking course and a running course. Uh, Sunday's menu was a walking course of 5K and a running K, running course of 12K. And we got started. And uh, what happens every once in a while, you'll find a C instead of an arrow. You'll have a, like a checkpoint 
where everybody has to run into different directions looking for the next marker because there's markers every 100 meters and they could be anywhere on a they can be on a building they can be on the side of a you know some on a post they can be on the sidewalk so that's the scavenger hunt part we ran everywhere looking for those things it was cool it was really cool uh we started off well my friend Kevin hasn't ran in a while. He he did a 100k a long time ago, but he's he says he's fallen out of shape since then. And I told him I'd stick behind with him, but I didn't realize once we started how intense things would get. I figured, hey, it's a they, they these people advertise a running club, uh, a drinking club with a running problem. So I figured, okay, they're not that serious of runners because they drink beer on their in their at their water breaks. They drink beer, so I'm like, okay, it can't be that intense. But it was. Uh, the runners are real serious runners. These these people ran marathons, and uh, when they started off, when they said go, they just blasted. And I knew better than to go blasting in an area that I don't know. So I followed my the advice that I got from the book Born to Run, and just kind of made sure that they were always within watchable distance. So I always kept them within one hundred to three hundred meters. I, I kept a pace that kept them about 100, 300 meters ahead of me, and I kind of laid back. And when we started, my friend Kevin got kind of got uh, sidetracked talking to people and was walking and got stuck in the walking group. So I had to run back to the walking group, pull Kevin out, say, hey, man, it's time for us to run. And we started running. And uh, he, he did pretty good. He did pretty good. He did pretty good. Uh, only problem is, like, it got really tricky to find those checkpoints. And the farther we got, uh, the harder they got to, f- you know, the harder it was to to find him, uh, you know, to find him, to find the checkpoints, to find the people. <laughs> and we eventually, I I don't know how it happened. Uh, I was just so busy uh, making sure I wasn't lost that I guess somewhere along the line I must have passed the group because there there must have been one of those areas where they, you have to find the next area to go. And I ended up being ahead of the group because I found the area. So I was telling everyone, this way, this way. And they all started following me. And at about 6 or 7K, they got harder and harder to find. And eventually, I couldn't find my friend Kevin. I couldn't find the runners. And I was just running by myself thinking, maybe I'm completely off trail. But I kept following the course marks, and I figured I was okay. And then eventually, I found the leader or the the tour. They call him the hare. This person's the, the guide on the path and they told me that everyone went the wrong way and I'm the only one going the right way and that she sent a few people behind me she's going to send the right way but she wanted me to get ahead and catch up with the marathon people let them know they're going the wrong way and I caught up to them I was about 100 meters behind them telling them to come back but they figured I was a noob they didn't know what I was talking about so they ignored me and kept going (laughs) and in that process I ran back got back on the on the path and uh and ran up. I got to see a bunch of cool stuff. They, that, they sent us running through secured areas, areas that I'm not sure if I was allowed to run through, uh, oncoming traffic, uh, all <laughs> bridges, parks, all kinds of stuff. And it was funny because we'd bum rush areas and they had security. But when you have like 30 people running in through an area in marathon clothes, you know, like compression, compression pants and that kind of stuff. They, we look kind of official, so security didn't know what to do. They would just let us run through these areas, like these gated communities, and they didn't stop us, <laughs> which I thought was pretty funny. <laughs> in Shanghai, yeah, yeah, in China. <laughs> so either way, um, 
long story short, it was a great time. Uh, we got to the end. I got to the checkpoint, drank a beer, sent a message to Kevin to let him know where I was because I f- couldn't find him. The person he was trying to keep, kick back with uh, caught up to me and said they lost him somewhere along the line. And you know, at the end, we... We all met up at the same place. I got we, the runners got there ahead. The walkers turns out Kevin got lost and joined the walkers, which kind of looks like that's what he wanted to do in the first place. So that that worked out pretty good. And then we ha- started playing drinking games, and that's pretty much where I should have stopped. Uh, I started playing the drinking games, which was fun. It was great. However, I did have MMA training coming up the next day. And I probably should have just done the drinking games and taken it easy, but I didn't. I did the drinking games, and then I went out to dinner with them, and then I drank some more. Next thing you know, I was hungover, which kind of sucked. I missed my first day of training. I know. I'm a very bad MMA fighter. This is, this is, this is bad. Bad. If you're listening to this and you're thinking, you suck. Yeah, I know. I suck. I had fun, though, and it was my vacation, so I figured, oh, well, it happens. So I sent a message to the to Ramsey and apologized about feeling sick and nursed my hangover uh, all day till about 2 o'clock. And uh, after that, we did some more sightseeing. We headed back to the Bund to an area that we didn't see last time because uh, we were in the main area last time, but we didn't get to see the actual harbor area. So we went to the harbor area, took a bunch of pictures. It was really cool. It was really cool. And, uh, I mean, if you're watching the YouTube, I'll probably put some of these pictures up on the on the YouTube. If not, uh, you can always check out the Social Jello site and you'll see them there. But um, yeah, it, w- it was really cool. By then on Tuesday, I was ready for training. I was like, okay, let's do this. And unfortunately, Ramsey hurt his knee, so we had to, I had to miss the morning session, which was good though, because it gave me a, ta- a chance to go to Jabao, which is a water town out there. And it was really like a, it had this really like, old school kind of like venice meets asia vibe where like they had these canals and everyone traveled around by boats in between the canals and it was a really old ancient town with temples and i got to see the city of the city of god as they called it and all these little places they were really neat after that i finally got started with my mma training it was awesome three hours that day and then and then from then on i started training six hours a day and the reason I went out, going back to, to where we started with Ramsey, the reason I went out there was because, like I said, I do Kajukembo. And Kajukembo is a mix of karate, judo, jiu-jitsu, uh, kempo, wushu, kung fu, and boxing, and kickboxing. And when I looked at what Ramsey was doing, he was doing this mix of sanda, uh, kung fu, kickboxing, muay thai, jiu-jitsu, nogi jiu-jitsu, and, uh, and MMA. And I, feel, I felt, when I read the description, I'm like, wow, this is the same mix as Kajukembo. And that's why I contacted him, because I figured it's really similar to my, sounds similar to my style. And when I got there, it was really cool to just meet Ramsey, hear his stories, and I was really happy to find out that I, my, it was everything I expected and more. And I didn't have, I mean, whenever I go somewhere, I don't have very high expectations. Not like, not that I have low expectations, but I try not to go in with too many preconceptions because that's how, that's what leads to disappointment. But I was hoping for a certain 
setting and I definitely got that it was a professional gym it was a professional gym with several coaches a boxing ring uh, a wrestling mat uh, a kickboxing area with with speed bags timing bags heavy bags MMA dolls uh, foam rollers weight room it was a professional gym that was awesome I mean I I don't need a professional I don't I don't need a huge gym honestly I know this from my past like all I need is a bag and a good coach. A bag, mitts, and good coach can go just as far as a big gym. So, but the big gym was a big plus, and it was just to have that space to work with was awesome. And then Ramsey himself, really down to earth, honest, funny, genuine guy. Uh, his philosophy, his the way he teaches his training, it reminded me a lot. Of, of being at a good Kajukembo seminar, uh, talking to someone with a lot of knowledge, uh, doesn't really see things within a box of MMA or a box of kickboxing. Or, and I say boxes, I mean like people become stylists. Just like people become can become kind of, uh, you know, we talk about racism and we talk about people who, any ism, and any ism can be traced back to the root thought that whatever the person's identity or truth whatever truth they think they have they suddenly feel that everything else is a lie and they no longer listen to anything that anybody else has to say and that can be kind of a problem like when you're talking about martial arts there's a lot of different ways to do things in martial arts and if someone gets stuck in a style someone gets stuck feeling that this is the only way that you can be successful in a, in a fight um, I feel that really limits it really limits the potential there's a lot of things that can happen in a fight. And when you say there can only be one way to throw a technique, one way to throw a punch, one way to throw a kick, one way to do a takedown, you're really limiting that. Now, there's arguably, there's some great things to say about drilling one thing and getting really good at it. But um, still, to have an open mind is, is, is always a good thing. And that's, that's what I always come into these things with is... When I, when I go in to train at a, someone else's gym, dojo, or kun, I am no longer a third-degree black belt. That goes right out the window. Um, in fact, right now, I'm not even, I'm not even a third-degree black belt talking to you right now. I'm just me. I'm Angelo. And I don't walk around with my rank and my belt as my forefront. I don't go around introducing myself to people. Hi, my name's Angelo. I'm a third-degree black belt. Kajukembo. Call me sensei. I don't do that shit. I don't believe in that, and I don't do that. If you do that, that's great. Hey, that's your deal. You know, I'm, I'm not criticizing people who do that. I understand some people really have a strong sense of identity with that stuff, and that's cool. Me personally, it's not my style. And whenever I go to a new gym, a new place, a new place to train, I come in as a white belt. And I just open my mind to learn new things, however this person is going to introduce them to me. But uh, the way Ramsey was, I didn't, I didn't have to put up so many walls. I didn't have to play so stupid. Like, that, that's another thing I do. I was going to say, <laughs> I do. I play a little stupid, especially in Japan. Because in Japan, they are very regimented. They have hierarchies, and they stick to them. And when you go to a new place to train, you know nothing. Even if you do know something, you know nothing, and you are to say nothing. And if the sensei catches on that you think you know what you're doing, uh, you're going to have a hell of a hard time. They're, they're not going to like that. So usually when I train in Japan, especially, I come in and I, I pretend I know nothing. I'll tell them, hey, you know, I have some martial arts experience, and that's it. Tell them how long, I tell them the style, how long I did it, 
and that's it. I don't tell them I'm a teacher. I don't tell them I coach. I don't tell them any of that. I just say, hey, you know, I train. I've been training for the last 20 years, and I leave it at that, 25 years. But anyway, I tell them how long I've been training, and that's it. I don't I don't talk about ranks and that kind of stuff on the first meeting because uh, I don't want people to judge me or expect something out of me or vice versa. I don't want them to think I expect something out of them. So I, I'd rather just come in and be like, and then when they ask me, well, what do you know? Like when I went to the Gracie Bar Jiu-Jitsu place, what do you know about Jiu-Jitsu? Not much. I don't know much. Uh, you know, I've never done Jiu-Jitsu before, so um, I'm just here to learn. And then when I went to this place, uh, first class I took was the wrestling class. It wasn't with Ramsey. It was with a different coach. Oh, gosh, I think his name was Mike. Either way, great coach. Uh, he's wrestling. I've never done a strictly wrestling class before. Like I've done wrestling for self-defense. And when I told the guy that, he he kind of he was able to do that one eyebrow thing. Like if you look, you know, the, the one eyebrow. I have I, I have to use my finger like this. But he was able to do that without the finger, where they just raise one eyebrow. And uh, he <laughs> wrestling for self-defense. He was pretty confused by that. Um, so I, I dropped it right away and just said, "Yeah, I've never done any wrestling." <laughs> <laughs> Even though I've done catch wrestling and MMA and all that stuff, I've never done any wrestling. I've done Hawaiian Kempo. He's like, "What's that?" Uh, I did Kaiju Kempo. What's that? Uh, it's nothing. It's like a karate. Don't worry about it. I have no idea what I'm doing. You show me whatever you want. And I, <laughs> I dropped everything right away, real quick. And uh, I told him I did some MMA and some jujitsu. And he's like, "All right, cool. All right. Well, it's really different from that." I'm like, "Yeah, I understand. Let's 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 just see what happens." And, uh, and I went in there and started doing just whatever wrestling drills. Picked up some pretty cool stuff. My problem with, as a jiu-jitsu guy, every time they try to tackle me, if for some reason it looked like they were going to have an advantage over me, like pin me on my stomach on the ground, which I guess being pinned on your stomach on the ground, and I don't know enough about the rules. Okay, whoa, 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 whoa. Before I continue, I know people listen. I know people get upset. I know people get really upset whenever I start talking about MMA. And martial arts and I start saying stuff that I don't know what I'm talking about so before we even get into it I'm gonna disclaimer I do not know what I'm talking about when it comes to wrestling okay there we go I said it so what I'm about to say next may be completely off is only based off my intuition all right but based off my intuition uh, if I understand this correctly in wrestling here you know what just to avoid any problems here Wrestling, wrestling rules, wrestling, uh, we'll say rules. All right. So like in wrestling, there are five ways to score points. A takedown, and you score two points for that. An escape, you score, you, you, what? And this is according to Michigan Matt Cats. Okay, so maybe these people are wrong, maybe these people are right. This is just... Right, so the object of wrestling is to pin your opponent on his back with any part or both shoulders or both shoulder blades of your opponent contact with the mat for two seconds. That is the rule. Those are okay. So hey, that was my intuition. My intuition is they, they want to get me on my back to the ground, right? So my problem as a jiu-jitsu guy is when like sometimes they take these things where they take my back, like in wrestling. It's not that big of a deal. Like if the guy comes up to you, if you try to shoot for a takedown and you land on all fours in what we call turtle, um, and the guy gets on your back, that's okay in wrestling because his goal is to flip you on your back on the ground. That is not okay in jiu-jitsu. 
<laughs> Let me put it that way. Guy's behind you. Guy can choke you. That's not good. You don't want to be choked. You don't want the guy behind you. So my my force of habit is if if things aren't going well in a takedown scramble, I will throw myself onto my back and put the guy into my jujitsu guard because I don't want him getting behind me, which ends everything in wrestling. So I suck as a wrestler. As, as soon as we started the wrestling matches, they're like, this guy sucks. He just throws himself. He gives us the points. Throws himself on his back. <laughs> But um, but again, I, I'm coming from a different perspective. But it was still a lot of fun. That you know, big props to the wrestling coach for putting up with my shenanigans. Um, but it was fun. It was great training. And then we got in with Ramsey. What I didn't know, like, so Ramsey, if you ever, I'm gonna have his YouTube, his YouTube right here. Uh, I'll have a link to his YouTube. Because what I didn't know was that Ramsey was famous. Yeah, but apparently that recently happened. Um, and he's not famous for teaching, which is interesting because I think he should be famous for teaching. Ramsey's history. Ramsey's history. Let's see here. I'm going to give you a lowdown on Ramsey, and I don't want to mess it up, so I'm just going to look up what, uh, what we have here online. Um, so his, apparently he has a fighting name. His name is Ramsey Danger Dewey. <laughs> Didn't know that. He's, for, he's originally from Utah. And uh, he used to run a small gym called Murray Mixed Martial Arts. Um, and he trained a few pro fighters out there. In 2009, he moved to China and started doing MMA out, out there, as well as competing in Mongolia and Singapore. And um, he, uh, he ended up in the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu World Championships. And uh, no, no, he ended up training some of the top fighters of the world, including Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu world champion and UFC veteran Leandro Rujino, Isa, and Chinese national Sanda Mutai and K1 champion, rough champion UFC one fighter, the Dongbei Tiger, Wang Guang. He trained this guy. Um, he himself has had quite a few fights. He's done a lot of amateur fights and also a few pro fights. Nothing big, uh, like for the UFC, nothing huge like that. But he does have a lot of experience in different martial arts, which I think was pretty cool. Um, he he was a pro fighter and he retired after a very serious injury. He's uh, he's in his forties now. He's a two-time gold medalist in and uh, and competing in the middle weight in blue and purple in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And um, he's also had, like I said, a few pro fights. Um, he's got degrees in fitness and. You know, he's a certified barefoot training specialist. He's got a bunch of different certifications. So he, he's, I mean, he's got a great resume behind him. But none of, none of this, none of these things are the reasons that I came. Um, really, the reason I came was because, again, his style seemed to match my style. And he seemed like a really cool guy. And because of that, I started training with him. And immediately, he has this way of asking questions to get people to think that I really enjoyed. And he kept asking us stuff like, well, what do you think? What's the greatest? What's, the, what's one of the things that you think can give you the most energy? And like, he would, you know, he would just have these like philosophical conversations while doing front kicks and wheel kicks. And his movement exercises are great. It kind of reminded me of like Wushu. If you don't know what Wushu is, it's like a, a type of Kung Fu exhibition martial art. But he, he'd put this together in the terms of MMA, like how to use these moves in MMA. Uh, he's done capoeira also. So it was really cool to kind of just mix it all together. And what I, like I mentioned earlier, 
What made him famous, I guess, he's got a million hits on one of his videos, a few of his videos on YouTube, was this idea that, uh, not idea, <laughs> he put together some comedy videos about uh, women's self-defense techniques that don't work, and then he'll get it down, break it down, and try the technique in a real live situation with a resisting opponent and he shows how worthless the moves can be <laughs> and um, it's really funny if you haven't checked it out apparently and this recently happened like in june or so um uh joe rogan ended up show, sharing one of his videos and it went viral so this is all kind of new to him too i new to me because like i said i didn't know i just trained this guy put a picture of him on my facebook and all of a sudden I literally had friends that when I said I was going to China, they're like, why are you going to China? That's a waste of time. Like, you should just go to Tokyo. They got better MMA gyms. And uh, I was like, come on, man. Like, I met this guy. It's really cool. He seems pretty seems pretty down. And some of the same naysayers that were saying, why are you going to MMA, doing MMA in China, ended up coming back and be like, oh, hey, Ramsey Dewey. Yeah, I follow his YouTube. <laughs> no, he's got some pretty good instructional videos too. And like, yeah, I didn't know he he had. I never followed his YouTube. I had no idea. You know, it's a really. He was just really cool training with him. I came out here to train with him. I didn't know he he had a following. But yeah, it turns out he had a following. And if you're listening to this and you already knew who Ramsey Dewey was, sorry for the spiel. But yeah, he, it was really cool. Really cool. Um, the stuff we went over. How to, uh, like, one of the things we, t- we went over is how to use a Coprera kick from open guard to be able to jump up and roundhouse kick your opponent in the head instead of doing a regular up kick. Now, if you don't do any type of martial arts and you're wondering what the hell I'm talking about, uh, when you're on the ground and someone's trying to hit you, you can kick them with the bottom of your foot, and that's called an up kick. But he was teaching us how to kind of swing our leg around and hit them in the head with our shin. Which was pretty cool. I enjoyed that. Uh, I like the idea that the way he kind of comes at everything is with an MMA perspective. While most of the coaches I worked with out in Japan, they usually have a background like in either kickboxing, catch wrestling. They have a background in something. And they tend to be kind of separated with the way they spar. So they're like, okay, now we're going to do grappling. Now we're going to do striking. We're not going to do MMA sparring because it's too dangerous. But... Ramsey's philosophy was go light, fight often. Um, in other words, yeah, he, he told me a story about how when he, he was, he came in the U.S., same thing, a lot of MMA gyms, they go full contact every time they spar, or at least close to full contact. So what happens is you end up getting really tense. You, every time you spar, you're like, it's like fighting, so you get really tense. Not to say that there's not a time to do that, but every time, what ends up happening is that you end up dreading sparring. And you end up not trying new things. You only stick to one or two techniques that you know will work, and you don't get re- you don't really get given the chance to experiment, because experimenting means getting hit really hard for making a mistake. And sometimes give in when you're learning something, when you're trying something new, it might not work the first time. You might need to practice it a few times in a lighter setting until you figure out the timing of a technique before you realize before you figure out whether it's useless or not. Um. So yeah, his 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 philosophy was to go light, and then like take on a take on a full contact fight at least once at least once a month, or at least once every two months, so that you don't lose your edge as a fighter. But training light, or at least fight hard once a month, right? But spar light and spar often, spar every day. And he we did we did MMA sparring, right? Ground and pounds, 
minus strikes to the growing. We did uh, phantom elbows. Like we would elbow the guy to the head, but we'd do like a light elbow to simulate what it would be to hit someone with it. Um, but we still had elbows in our training. And I mean, I came back with no injuries. I trained for a full week there, no injuries. Six hours a day with a, with an hour lunch, with a two hour lunch, and I didn't have any injuries. So like, yeah, tells you tells you a lot about that style of training. I really enjoyed it, and I came back with that for starters. I came back with that as a mentality to think about how I'm gonna train. And we talked about uh, life. We talked about China. We talked about a lot of cool stuff. And I learned a lot about myself uh, and about teaching in general. Uh, the groups were people who were fighting and, and people who were sometimes newcomers. It was their first day training. And again, just really chilled out, dude. Uh, I asked him if it was okay if I recorded some of the stuff. And he said, fine. He didn't care if I even shared it. He said, yeah, I can share it on my social media stuff. He was really down to earth some people like some mma gyms do not allow any type of video recording because they're really scared but he was really just you know really laid back just really laid back which is that which i really appreciated and uh and i'm looking forward to going out to shanghai and doing it again so that was my mma experience um there was a lot more involved a lot more details but i'm not sure how much about mma you all are interested in and i don't want to bore you um so I'm just going to take a step back real quick and talk a little bit about my experiences in China or my stereotypes of China. A lot of people ask me, what's China like? And, you know, to tell you the truth, like before I went to China, I had to come in with a lot of stereotypes. Uh, American stereotypes that China is this very regimented government and kind of almost Nazi-like because of the communism and be careful not to say anything wrong, right? We always hear about how China has its own internet, and if you say anything wrong, you're going to get arrested and pulled off into the shadows. Um, and I still got that vibe that maybe that's what happens. I don't know. I wasn't there long enough. But uh, so either way, that was one of my stereotypes. The second stereotype is that China's very dirty, and everyone's really dirty, and people are constantly spitting and pushing, and they're really aggressive, and they're yelling at each other. Yes and no. <laughs> um... What I want to say is when I went to China, I was I was refreshingly surprised that most people, like my friend Kevin put it, are purpose driven. They got a place to be and a place to go and things to do. There's a lot of over a billion people in China, right? A lot of people. There's a lot of people and they got places to go and things to see and things to do. So if you go to China with the preconceptions of whatever country you're from, America or Japan, and you and I, I think I can say that about anywhere. If you're going to travel the world please leave whatever rules you have from your country behind with you because you've decided that you're going to take that step. You've decided you're going to see something else. So just keep an open mind and remember that they play by a different set of rules and you're in their house, right? You left your house. You're going to their house. Would you go to someone else's house and tell them how to do their shit? No, that's rude. Would you judge them for the way they do their, the way they do things in their house? It's not your house. That's rude also. Don't be so judgmental. So I, I had to take a step back. I took that step back when I got there. But I did have some expectations, or I should say low expectations. I, I prepared myself because I didn't know what I was going to ex- I didn't know what to expect, a dangerous city, what, what. So, like, I had my throwaway wallet. I was ready to be mugged, all kinds of stuff. And when I got there, first of all, Shanghai was much safer than I anticipated. I, I, I thought it would be a little more dangerous as far as, like, crime was concerned. Crime-wise, nah, 
I didn't get that vibe. I still feel that my old neighborhood in Escondido, California, North County, San Diego had more gangs and more violence and more robberies. I felt more danger there than I did in Shanghai. Uh, so no, as far as crime is concerned, nah. The government, you know, for as much as people talk about uh, China's government being whatever it is, oppressive or not, um, the people were really free, really happy. Uh, I saw, I you know, in Japan I've gotten used to, as I put it, and this got me in trouble because when I talk about things like liberal and conservative, I'm not talking about America and I'm not talking about Democrats or Republicans or any of that crap. I'm just talking about mindsets, a liberal mindset meaning freedoms, a conservative mindset meaning sticking to tradition and whatever those traditions are in whatever society we're talking about. And in China, being conservative would mean, you know, sticking more to the, I want to say Taoist beliefs. I don't, I don't know enough about China to even make that kind of assumption. But again, the idea of being conservative, uh, certain things that conservatives don't like uh, is uh, public displays of affection, PDAs. Public displays of affection, a PDA. Yeah, they don't like that. And in Japan, uh, they're very conservative about public displays of affection. People don't, on, on average, try not to kiss, even if they're married in public. Sometimes you'll see people holding hands. Hugging? Mm, not so good on the hugging. Sometimes there's people that break these these social norms. But for the most part, yeah, in Japan, they don't do that kind of stuff. But in China, they do. It was kind of weird. Because like I said, I, I, I always felt like China had more of a, I guess you can say conservative government. Japan claims to have a liberal government, but I think they're both conservative. But that's just my opinion. But the people seemed very free. It was weird. Like I always felt, again, it didn't seem like a very liberal society. I, I expected a more conservative society. And found a very liberal society as far as the people being pushy well yeah they got places to be uh we started raiding the bumps like people will bump into you because there's a billion people they're gonna bump into you and we started raiding the bumps of one to ten <laughs> on a scale of one to ten that was a bump that was an eight even <laughs> a ten but you know no one ever really bumped into me aggressively on purpose um it was just mostly there's a lot of people and you got to bump into someone if you got you got a place to be you got to move your way through a crowd right and in the middle of all that i didn't get anything stolen it wasn't like they were bumping into me and jacking me so whatever um culture shock i guess one culture shock everybody rides electric scooters and they would ride the scooters on the sidewalk that tripped me out so i'm like walking on the sidewalk and meet me and look behind me and there's a scooter <laughs> and i got out of the guy's way it's all good it's all good um yeah, yeah. So, yeah, China was a trip. Uh, as far as the expectations I had and what I experienced, uh, people were very friendly. I, I think people are very friendly in Japan as well. Um, just a different kind of friendly. People were very warm in Japan, just very open to invite me to go hang out. And um, that runner's club I met up with had a, had a mix of expats and and Chinese folks from Shanghai and other parts of China. And, um, yeah, and my buddy Kevin, he had, he had a good time hanging out with them the whole week. They kept inviting him to do stuff all week. The, you know, and, and he's from Hong Kong, and supposedly he was worried there might be some beef between the other Chinese from Hong Kong. No, no, he didn't experience any of that. None of that. He said everyone was just super friendly and really happy to hang out and very warm, and, and he, he had a great time. He had a great time. I had a great time, too. I spent most of my time training. But even the people that I met with in my training sessions, the expats and also the, 
the people from Shanghai, they were all really cool. Again, very friendly, very friendly people. Um, so yeah, my experience in China was a positive one. I don't know what it's like to live there, so I can't speak for that. But I did meet people that stayed there for a long time, and they didn't seem to have many complaints. I guess you know it just depends on what kind of person you are and what kind of things you look for when you go so when you travel. Some people want to travel to a place that's even better than the one that they left, and if that's the case, then、uh, and you go into those kind of comparisons, maybe maybe some countries are not going to be on your list of places to visit because they aren't going to be better than the place that you left. They might not be as clean. They people might not be as friendly. But、uh, if you go somewhere, just keep an open mind and be ready to try something new. Then、uh, you never know what the possibilities will be. Well, you can hear the music in the background, so you know what that means. We finished another episode of Soul Show Jello with Angelo. Really appreciate you checking it out.、Um, next month,、uh, I'm fighting in a jujitsu tournament. I don't know when or where. It doesn't matter. I'm gonna fight next month. I'm gonna do my first jujitsu tournament. That should be fun. And.、Uh, As far as any events coming up, from what I know, I don't think there's many events coming up that I know of. I am going to try to my next episode. I'm going to try to interview someone,、uh, a, a comedian、uh, that I met out there. So stay tuned for that. This social jello episode、uh, should be released mid-December. Sorry about that. Since I was in China, I didn't have enough time to record and get it out on the first. But I will have it out there.、Um, being that we're in December, a happy holidays.、Uh, whatever you know. Happy, merry, happy Kwanzaa,、uh, happy Hanukkah,、um, merry Christmas,、uh, happy New Year,、uh, whatever, whatever else. Or if you don't celebrate anything, whatever. Have a good one. I hope you enjoy your your holiday season, and I'll catch you all next year. Happy New Year too, I guess. Yo yo toshi yo, as they say in Japanese. Peace. This fucking punk horn.